7.42. Now, could biofuels actually help our planet from its current course towards a looming environmental disaster? Scientists are seeking ways to develop more eco-friendly biofuel production methods. It's a question, though, that was asked quite strongly by Dr. Francis Arnold going back decades before, well, interest or lack of funding meant that she had to uh, turn her attention in in a different direction and has now actually been awarded a Nobel Prize for it in chemistry. She is a professor of chemical engineering, bioengineering and biochemistry at California Institute of Technology or Caltech. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, I'm delighted to be with you. And always it's interesting to see the reports of how people respond to winning the Nobel Prize, which usually seems to involve a very early morning phone call, like 4am in your case, and you were unsure whether it was a prank at first. Can you just take us through your experience this year? (laughs) Well, it is an early morning call, and I was in Dallas, Texas, in a hotel room at the time, came at 4am after I had arrived very late. Uh, I didn't think um, that it would be the Nobel Prize. I thought there was a disaster at home. And there wasn't a disaster at home. It was an incredibly widely celebrated breakthrough, partly on gender grounds. Uh, We've seen in both physics and chemistry the celebration of, of women, including yourself, winning this year. How important that was in your life, I wonder. Um, did, did you take a few days or hours to reflect on the fact that you'd managed to do this in a male-dominated world? <laughs> well, I've, I, I've taken a lifetime to reflect on that. Um, the last few days, I haven't had any time whatsoever to reflect because it's been a tornado. Uh, but I think it's a wonderful thing that women's contributions are being recognized. There are a lot of very creative and talented women doing science now. And I think it's a fabulous thing that the Nobel Prize Committee recognizes that. Just to be clear for our listeners, Professor Donna Strickland was the third woman to receive a physics Nobel Prize. And you, Dr. Arnold, the fifth to receive a chemistry Nobel Prize. But when I was reading a bit more about your story, I I saw that you'd you know, grown up with four brothers, for example. Um, So your whole family experience has been not exactly balanced on gender grounds. It's something you've you've presumably had to get used to. (laughs) From early days, I knew how to elbow aside those big brothers and little brothers. Uh, But it was good for me. They were supportive and they're my best friends to today. And another aspect I thought was interesting in your life story was that you described yourself as having been quite rebellious at school. So how how does a rebel turn into a Nobel Prize winner? Well, the Nobel Prize, as I understand it, recognizes new ways of science that, that helps people think in new ways. And you cannot win a Nobel Prize if you think like everyone else and do what everyone else is doing. Perhaps I can credit some of my rebellious nature to my ability to do things in a different way. But decades ago, when you recognized the need, you know, from a mechanical engineering undergraduate perspective, you recognized the need for biofuels, which was forward-looking in itself. 
but because the price of oil dipped, you weren't really able to to take that forward. But do do you feel that biofuels are still the answer? Well, there there have to be many answers to our need to live sustainably on this planet and have sufficient energy. Uh, So I'm a big proponent of all uh, cost-effective, environmentally friendly energy solutions. I was interested in biofuels in particular because I love how biology can convert simple things like sunlight and sugars into liquid fuel that we can put in uh, an airplane, for example. We developed and we used directed evolution to convince microbes to do that for us. Great chemistry. But at what point did you recognize that your brain has a little more power than than most of us? I mean, because honestly... To go from one discipline to another, I think, is hugely credible. But to to excel in various disciplines, it requires something very special. Well, not everyone agrees that I excel. I get accused of practicing various things without a license, but it doesn't bother me. I think it's important to try new things, even if you're not great at it, and maybe those combinations of experiences... Uh, can be put together in some new way. One of the simplest ways of describing your contribution to chemistry has been uh, finding a way to to basically take control of evolution in enzymes. And as soon as we say the word enzymes, we we might start to lose ourselves in this. But um, what gave you that feeling that there was something to be done there with evolution? Well, isn't evolution the mechanism by which all of this beautiful biology came about in the first place? To me, it made perfect sense to use evolution, just like we breed cats and dogs or corn or carrier pigeons. We could breed molecules, enzymes, catalysts that could work for us. Instead of doing what nature wants them to do, Perhaps we could breed them or train them, so to speak, to do what we need them to do. And speaking from but speaking from a position of ignorance, uh, perhaps you can clarify the the question of whether that can also be dangerous. If you know, if you're taking control of natural processes, and and whenever that happens, uh, it it sort of seems to have the possibility of the the beginning of a sci-fi dystopian movie. But people do ask about that. But if you think about it, humans have been modifying the biological world at the level of DNA since, since history, right? We, we have poodles, and we have racehorses, and we have chickens that would not be on this planet were it not for our ability to direct the course of their evolution. I do it with molecules. They're not even alive. Um, they're just products of, of these new DNA-encoded systems. Uh, so I'd like to think that we'll use it to benefit us, as we have done for the last 10,000 years. And your applications, or the applications of your research, they, they seem to be very wide-ranging, I guess because of the nature of, of dealing with molecules. But um, can you address some of the most important practical breakthroughs for us, like from biofuels to Uh, pharmaceuticals, for example? Enzymes are the catalytic workhorses of life. 
They do everything, all the chemistry of the biological world. So if you think about how you could do new chemistry, making pharmaceuticals or breaking down oil spills or uh, making things in your laundry detergents, for example, enzymes break down stains on your clothes, we have used these beautiful biological inventions to solve problems and now we can fine-tune their performance using the methods that I developed. How does that then become a drug, for example, people can take to, to improve their outcomes with diseases, like diabetes, for example? Well, the enzyme itself is not the drug. The drug is a product of what the enzyme can do. So imagine taking a, a chemical process that uses a toxic metal for example, to produce these drugs, and that's how it was done in the past, and replace that with a simple biological catalyst that works just in water, is beautifully efficient, no toxic waste, and now you have a much better, more sustainable way to manufacture the things we need across our daily lives. So here you are on the back of all these achievements and you can call yourself legitimately a Nobel Prize winner. Where does your research take you now? Uh, well, I'm always working on the most interesting thing and I'm interested now in the evolution of real novelty. How does evolution create something that never existed before? Not just modify it, but create a new chemical reaction, for example. Put together atoms that biology has never before assembled so that we could actually think about replacing all of human chemistry with biology. Well, that, again, sounds both fascinating and I'm sure will draw some fears about heading into the unknown. And, and obviously taking into consideration what you were saying before about uh, how people have been harnessing natural powers for, for a long time. How at sort of experimental level do you ensure a certain level of safety in, in carrying out those experiments? Well, as I say, the molecules that I make are not alive. They don't self-replicate. They work inside of a recombinant or genetically modified bacterium. But that's also technology that we've been able to use for 30 years. People's lives are being saved by drugs made in recombinant bacteria, insulin to treat diabetes and, and factor eight to treat hemophilia. M many of this uh, genetic engineering technologies have really improved human lives. And that's what we have to hope from all technology. But when you're trying to imagine the outcome of creating something that's never existed before, in your mind a mind of genius, many would say. Do you have any vision for where this could take us? Well, I would like to see uh, it take us to where biology can solve the problem of making what we need in our daily lives without destroying the planet in the process so that we don't uh, destroy our natural environment, but we still have enough food to eat, chemicals for, our, for materials, uh, we can wear clothes, and all of these products can come from biology. And just to broaden the conversation out a little further, uh, and 
perhaps also wrapping up on, on some of the issues we've touched on from from the nature of science research today, but also to, to the gender imbalance, which um, you've helped in your own way put right this year. You've got sons that you spoke of when you talked about wanting to celebrate. What What's your advice to the sons and daughters of this world coming up with, with so much controversy swirling around lack of funding for science in the US, but also about these very big gender questions? Well, first of all, to the, to the women who want to be scientists, by all means do it. Don't leave this wonderful, fun career just for the men. You're just as good and you can do it. And for everyone, we have to realize that science and technology is the future. It's what allows us to live a continually improving lifestyle without destroying the planet. We cannot do that without science and technology. So I encourage everyone to, sci- to study and understand why technology and science is so important. Dr. Arnold, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Good luck with your ongoing research. Thank you.